Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. God said it's not good for man to be alone. That's why he gave Adam Eve. He didn't mean that I'm going to just make a woman to help Adam. That's part of it. But loneliness causes a lot of problems. Isolation generally causes a lot of problems. Uh, Studies on mice have shown that one month of social isolation caused a decrease of around 20% of the total volume of neurons in the brain. If the isolation went longer, up to three months, researchers saw that the branching of those neurons was no longer happening, which triggered the loss of the mechanism for communication, diminishing the ability to communicate with one another. So this is well known. With prisoners who are placed in isolated, solitary confinement, they lose their ability. They'll have to relearn how to socialize and communicate. And not only that, we miss human touch because human touch releases a hormone in the body called oxytocin. It's triggered when the mother and the infant hold for the first time. And it may also play a role in recognition and trust and anxiety. Lower levels of oxytocin have resulted in higher levels of stress and anxiety. And that might be what you're experiencing. Loneliness can cause these things. So I agree with those who say, don't let the cure be worse than the problem itself. Eventually, we're going to need to come out of isolation and give someone a hug and get back to that type of relationship. So today, we're going to continue through the hope to cope in times of trouble. We're going to talk about loneliness. And Paul was extremely lonely. My grandmother, Teresa, who's 100, and she's in a nursing facility, and no one can visit her. And it makes me sad when I hear that, that uh, no one can uh, visit my grandmother. And there's people who haven't seen family members for a while. Uh, people are in the hospital, and they can't have visitors. It's weird. But the saddest thing to me is the people that are dying alone and having funeral services over Zoom. It's just a weird thing, and it's not healthy. And I understand that maybe this is what we needed to do for now, but this can't go on much longer. We're going to open up and experience all that again. How do you cope through loneliness? Well, you cope through loneliness the same way you cope through any difficulty. You cry out to God as David cried out in Psalm 25, 16. And he said, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. You know, God knows what you're going through right now. I might not, but God knows exactly what you're going through, and he cares for you. Think about the Apostle Paul. I love the Apostle Paul. He was driven. He was driven before he became a believer to persecute Christians, and afterwards he was driven to bring people into the kingdom of God. That's why I love Paul. Because of his ministry and him preaching the gospel, he was persecuted He was mocked. He was betrayed and abandoned by his friends. He was placed in a prison and house arrest by himself. In fact, because of Paul's ministry, there's a whole theology that's developed called the theology of suffering. 
And a lot of people say, well, if I'm a Christian, everything's going to be rosy and good. And it's not always going to be like that. It'll be better because you have a relationship with the one who created you and you're going to go to be with him in heaven. But here there's a theology of suffering. And a lot of people are suffering right now. And my heart goes out to you. Paul, we learn from him. In fact, his whole life in Christ, his new life in Christ, began by being alone. He was riding in the desert to go arrest Christians in Damascus. And the Lord Jesus met him there in the middle of the desert. He got blinded by God's presence. And he couldn't see for three days. And then he ends up somewhere and God sends a wonderful Christian man, Ananias, to go and pray for Paul. And Paul received his sight back again. He was baptized. And then he began preaching the gospel right away. But think about that. He was alone for three days. But you know what? He was alone for longer than that. The Bible tells us he went into the desert in Arabia for three years. Why did he do that? Well, we really don't know. But I think that's where he really met Christ and began to develop his theological ideas and theology, which is incredibly deep. And so imagine three years, he's with just Jesus in the desert, and he's being given all this knowledge, and he already knew the Old Testament, and he was able to tie it to the New Testament. See, that's the thing. We go into isolation for, what, eight weeks, and we go nuts. Paul saw it as an incredible opportunity to grow deeper with Christ. So there's blessings in being alone, but being alone isn't necessarily unhealthy. But if it lasts too long, it can lead to loneliness, which can be unhealthy. So how do you survive loneliness? Number one, you got to be grateful for what you have. Isolation helps you realize what you have. And you thank God for what you have, like a house and friends. You see, the difference between what we are going through and what Paul went through is Paul didn't have internet. We can reach out to people. It's not the same, but we can keep that friendship going, at least through texting and things like this. But Paul here, he's imprisoned in Rome. He's writing to Timothy. This is his last letter, 2 Timothy. In fact, it was a short time after this that he was beheaded for Christ. And he's been writing a lot. In fact, while in a Roman prison, do you know what Paul wrote? Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and 2 Timothy. Think about that. He's in prison, and he's not wasting the imprisonment. He's doing something. In fact, most of the New Testament was written, a lot of it was written while he was in prison. So here he is writing to his protege, Timothy. And I'm sure he's battling with loneliness, wouldn't you? He didn't have anybody there except one person. He was able to, in the midst of loneliness, focus on what he did have. Do you know who he had with him? Luke. In 2 Timothy 4.11, it says, only Luke is with me. Now think about that. Paul led thousands to the Lord, planted many churches, led missionary teams across the globe. But at the end of his life, All he had with him was Luke. Who's Luke? Luke was a Greek physician who came to faith, probably through Paul's ministry. He was Paul's most faithful companion. He was with him in Rome for both Paul's imprisonments. And many believe it was during this time in Rome when Luke 
might have wrote the gospel, Luke and Acts, and maybe got a lot of information from Paul. But imagine this. Imagine being a successful physician like Luke and leaving that all behind to be Paul's friend and missionary companion and encourager and even followed him to Rome while Paul was in prison. Think about that. Luke left everything behind. Well, think about what Jesus says. If anyone would follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. This is about saying no to myself and saying yes to Christ. That's how the body of Christ functions. No one is more important than the other. Paul wasn't more important than Luke. I'm not more important than you. But we all do what we're called to do. And then we support each other by doing what we're good at. And Luke, obviously, being a physician, I mean, he's sure in the details. You know, and maybe he's listening to Paul recite these words and he's writing it down. He was incredibly detailed about the history and historical events. That's awesome. That's God working in the midst of isolation. So who's your Luke? Rely on that person. And not only that, recruit Luke's into your life to help you. I've got a lot of Luke's to make this happen. And I thank God for that. Paul was quarantined. He lost his freedom. He lost his friends. He lost his fellowship. But at least he had Luke. So during times of how to cope with loneliness, you got to thank God for what you do have. I want you to do that now. Whatever that is, just say, Lord, thank you for my health. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my church. And focus on that. And you will have a better perspective and a better day, believe me. Secondly, how do I survive loneliness? Miss what you do not have. It's okay and natural to miss what you don't have. You thank God for what you have, but you should miss what you don't have. It's a grieving process, what we're going through. Remember last week, I talked about the stages of grief. First, it's denial. This can't be happening. This isn't happening. And then you're angry. Like, I'm angry this is happening. And then you bargain and you second guess and you say, if only I did this or what if this. And then you let the what ifs get in the way of the what now and you're paralyzed. Then depression and sadness kick in, which is a normal thing. And that's brought on by being alone, maybe, and lonely. And then you accept. You go into acceptance mode, which is you're saying, I don't know what's happening. I'm not in charge, but I know the one who is in charge. And you don't necessarily accept it as a good thing necessarily, but you accept it because you can't change it. And the most joyful and and peaceful people I know are the ones to move into that acceptance phase and accept what's going on and not necessarily like it, but trust God through like the song I sang. While I wait, I will worship and I will trust you, Lord. And I don't understand it, but I'm still going to worship you. And what happens during the acceptance phase is you might experience what is called a new normal. And a new normal might be different than what it was before. It doesn't make it bad necessarily. It's just different. And so that's why next week I'm excited to kick off a new series called A New Normal. What to expect when this is over. And I'm not going to just pull it out of thin air. I'm going to go look at the book of Acts written by Luke. And I'm going to look at Acts, and we're going to look at what happened to the church that was a new normal. Like, the new move of the Spirit came, 
There was a new power in the preaching and people came to Christ. There was a new revival and awakening. And those things, I believe, will happen once we get out of this time. So I want you to join us as we go through that. So I don't know what you miss the most about being alone and not being able to do the things you used to do. One of the things I miss a lot is hugging. You know, I grew up in a hugging family. I hug everybody. You know, I'm not going to just walk down the street and hug people. But at church, when people show up, hey, how you doing? Give them a big hug. Well, it's weird, especially the first week. It was weird. What do you do? Oh, you know, you touch elbows or, or something. I miss that. I think we'll hug again. What I miss, too, is I hate wearing masks. In fact, if anyone's gone through recovery, they say, take off your mask. You know, be yourself. Try not to be somebody else. But uh, the mask is important. I lived in Japan for a while while I toured through there, and I stayed there for a few months. This was way back in the 80s. But even back then, they wore masks, especially in the subway systems. And I think that's fine. But just keep your eyes on what you have, and it's okay to miss what you don't have. So Paul writes to Timothy, because remember, Luke is the only one with him. He loved Timothy, and he says in 2 Timothy 4.9, Timothy Make every effort to come to me soon. So basically, he's saying, Timothy, hurry and get here. I miss you. I love you. This is something we don't want to miss. So Paul writes this, or he dictates it. Maybe Luke writes it. Then the letter's finished. How long does it take the letter to get to Timothy? A long time. Paul's in Rome. Timothy's in Ephesus. That's over a thousand miles away. So it took months. So it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pull out my phone and, hey, hey, Timothy, come quickly. And then in an instant, it's there. That wasn't the case. Does anyone remember before Internet, you know, and you call people and then you get their answering machine and then you'd wait, hopefully call them back. You wouldn't like be able to text them. Please call me, you know. But think about Paul. He's writing this letter. Timothy, I miss you. Please come to me. He was only a little while away from being martyred. But what I love about Paul is that while he's in prison, he still saw his life on earth as meaningful. He still saw his friends as important. He still wrote. He still thought of other people. He didn't think, well, I'm in prison, so I might as well give up. No, he kept connecting and wanting to connect, and wanting to serve. And that's what I hope we remember when we get out of prison, so to speak, (laughs) is to get back and to continue serving and to build God's church. In fact, we should be doing that now. But let's not waste what we're learning. Let's get back in the game. So Paul asked Timothy to bring someone with him. Who did he ask? Verse 11, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Now, that's interesting, because if you know the backstory, Mark had deserted Paul on one of his earlier missions trips. Mark's desertion of Paul caused much pain for Paul. In fact, when Barnabas requested that Mark would come with them on a later trip, Paul was adamantly against it. He didn't trust Mark anymore. Mark let him down. And this caused Mark and Barnabas to part ways with Paul. But you know what happened? I think Paul's in prison now and he's lonely and he remembers Mark. And he says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, please bring Mark. So what has happened in Paul's heart? Paul has forgiven, obviously, Mark. But now he's wanting Mark to come. You see, over our lifetime, 
we'll develop friendships and we'll develop relationships. And those are the things that when we're in isolation or in a prison, so to speak, we miss. And we say, please come see me. I want to see you. Now, we realize here that Paul is maybe saying this because it wasn't all hunky-dory. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to read starting in verse 9 to kind of give some context to what's going on. So he writes to Timothy, Make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved his present world. So Demas was a missionary companion who was referred in Colossians 4.14. So Demas was a close co-laborer with Paul. What happened to Demas? Demas deserted Paul because he loved the world. Man, after all Paul did for Demas, he turned his back on Paul and turned his back on Christ and went back into the world? That's the worst isolation. And then he says, he's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for service. But Tychus, that was another missionary companion, I have sent to Ephesus. So probably there wasn't a break of relationship there. He was just sending him somewhere else. And listen to this, verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit. And then he goes on, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. But look what he says. The Lord will repay him. That is a lesson to learn, right? Let God deal with it. He's much better at dealing with these type of things. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. And then verse 16, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. But then Paul says, but don't count that against them. Who did he learn that from? Christ. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. There's debate of was he actually like in a lion's thing, you know, with the gladiators and all that. Probably he's referring to Daniel when Daniel was protected by God from the lion's mouth. So God rescued him from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom and him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so Paul, he makes another request of Timothy in verse 13. He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. So why did he want a cloak, which would be like a jacket? Well, it would be cold in Rome during the winter months. And that's why in verse 21, he says to Timothy, please do your best to get here before winter. I want my jacket. It's cold. Now, what are the books and the parchments? I'm sure there were the scriptures, the Torah. So what did Paul miss the most? The Bible and the church. Thank God for Paul. Because he puts it in perspective, even as his loneliness, he remembers what's most important. In fact, Paul's desires were simple at the close of his life. I want to be with my friends, I want to stay warm, and I want to be refreshed by the scriptures. So let's focus on those things that we have. One of the things I was thinking about, I do wordplay in my mind half the time, so I was thinking about an antibody. You want that from a person who had the virus to give to someone else to develop immunity. 
that's a good antibody. A bad antibody is disconnecting from the body of Christ. And we don't want to be antibody. We want to be pro-body. And that's what we want to learn through this. Third, how to survive loneliness. Remember where you're headed. Listen, Paul knew the prison was not his home. This earth was not his home. He said he wrote, I'm a citizen of heaven. So if this is not our home, then that means we're only passing for a moment. In fact, James writes, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So someone could have the worst life ever. He or she could be unfairly imprisoned, persecuted, abandoned, mistreated, whatever the crime is, and be okay with it because we're only here for a fleeting moment. God will deal with the justice side. We move on to our eternal home and we're in bliss in our eternal heaven. There's an incredible story about Corey and Betsy Tamboom, who were Dutch Christians who harbored Jews in Holland. They held them in their house during World War II, but they were caught. And they were arrested and they were imprisoned in a German concentration camp. And over time, their barrack got infested with fleas. And at first, they were irritated and upset by the fleas. And then they had remembered they had smuggled a Bible into the barrack. And they opened and read from 1 Thessalonians 5.18, where it says, Give thanks in all circumstances. And they were convicted. So they began to say out loud, Lord, thank you for the fleas. Thank you for the fleas. And then over the next several months, a wonderful but curious thing happened. They found out that the guards weren't entering their barracks. This meant that the women were not being assaulted. It also meant that they could do the unthinkable, which was hold open Bible studies and prayer meetings in the heart of a Nazi concentration camp through this time. And countless numbers of women came to faith in Christ. And only at the end, They discovered why the guards left them alone. It was because of the fleas. Thank God for the fleas. Thank God for the pandemic. Because God is using it to build our faith and to build our gratitude that we're grateful for what we have. And we miss what we don't have, but we remember where we're going. Corey and her sister spent 10 months of their lives in a flea-infested concentration camp prison. But God used that in a huge way. Paul spent five years of his life either in a prison or a house arrest. And God used that prison in a huge way because we can read about it all in the New Testament. How long have you been in prison, so to speak? Have you been without food? Probably not. Is your barrack flea infested? Doubt it. And you might not have the things that you had before that were important to you, you'll have them again. Do you still have your friends? Probably. You probably have more friends. It's all a matter of perspective. When I was in recovery many years ago, one of the things that used to help me through was to hear other people's stories. I'd walk in all depressed and go, man, my life sucks. And then I hear someone talk about his life. And I go, man, Lord, thank you for the blessings in my life. Thank God for the prison and the virus because God is using these things in a huge way and we're going to come out different. We're going to come out stronger. Paul writes at the end of the letter here in 2 Timothy 4.18, 
Read it with me. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you think that Paul, when he's writing that, didn't feel alone? But it was perspective. And when you read this out loud, you get the hope to cope. Every day you should open up the Bible and you should read the Bible and you should talk about the Bible and you should talk about Jesus and you should stay focused and thank God for what you have. But keep your eyes on heaven because shortly after Paul wrote this statement, he was beheaded and he was in heaven. See, odds are you're not going to be beheaded. You're going to get out of this so-called prison. And you'll assimilate back into society as fast or as slow as you want. But what will be different? Hopefully you will be different. Hopefully I will be different. Hopefully I'll be more like Paul. Hopefully I'll be more like Jesus, who on the cross could say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That's what God's doing in us right now. It's going to be a new normal, but it's going to be better. The church is going to be stronger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Thank you that he puts in there that Luke was with him. Thank you also that he puts in there the people that let him down. But thank you that he put in there that he was leaving the revenge up to you. Father, I pray that you would continue to minister by your spirit to those who feel lonely and that you give them perspective and help them see to thank God for what they have. And it's okay to miss what they don't have, but it's better to keep our eyes on heaven because that is our ultimate home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com.